my biggest strength is how relatable and likable I can be. But I've used it in so many horrible, disgusting ways. I've used my gift to control people. I use my gift to get away with whatever the fuck I wanted. I use my gift to manipulate situations to make me look like the good guy. You're a scumbag. You're a liar. You're an alcoholic, addict, and a psychopath. I actually convinced myself that I was one of the good guys. I know it's in me somewhere, but it's buried. Nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was a piece of shit. I had a phenomenal upbringing. I was taught to live my life with morals, integrity, the whole nine yards. And unfortunately, you cannot teach the switch to flip off. When that switch turns on, it doesn't matter what you tell me, it doesn't matter what I learned when I was five years old, I will get high every single time because it is me, me, me. This is just a public service announcement to maybe some parents that are listening to this podcast. If you feel any guilt whatsoever, cut the shit right now. You are not the culprit. There's nothing in the world that you could have taught them better, told them better, showed them better, that was going to stop your child from getting high. I don't want to say I didn't, I wasn't thinking what I was doing was wrong. I thought I was just doing what I had to do to survive at the time. Please don't be mad at me. The days of hiding from my problems stop now. The days of giving up on myself stop now. The days of me destroying relationships just so I could feel something stop now. Even if we're monsters in our act of addiction and we can't fathom the shit we've done, we are all worth it. We are all worth it to see those sober days. Welcome to a new episode of An Addictive Perspective. If you like what you hear, please go in and subscribe so you know when the new episodes are coming out. Enjoy the episode. I can, can hear us. This is suspect. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. As Beautiful. long as you, as long as you guys can hear me, then I and I can hear both of you, so I'm, we're good to go. I'm putting disclaimer. I am working on a case, so these fuckers better not call me. All right. Well, whatever. Don't. It doesn't matter. Dude, if they call you, we'll, we'll carry the heavy lifting, you know, yeah, you, you just pop in and out. All you got to do is mute yourself. How do you mute yourself? I don't really know. I think you just might have to step away. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm recording. Yeah, I'm green behind the ears. You might have to just join back up. Okay, whatever that means. <laughs> Buck out. <laughs> All right, so what do you uh, – this is the – this will be the introduction uh, episode, I suppose, of um, – did we decide on a name? Did you guys agree with the name? An addictive perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I like that. Name. Yeah, I like that yeah. too. And, the, and then we'll, we'll put the description below. I think you guys the, – the name that lost was two razor blades and a straight edge. But we'll, we'll put that one down in there. I like that still. It, it only lost on technicality. <laughs> well i think uh i think much wife, like this year i think election, your wife didn't so. know what it meant so yeah she shot out though she's a straight edge <laughs> <laughs> uh so i guess we could just get it started get it ripped uh right now um we'll just have to introduce ourselves i guess at this point we'll probably have to introduce ourselves before every episode just to make sure that uh everyone kind of puts a name to the voice 
I've say. gotten really good at that recently, Sneaky. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll... Uh... How do you uh, want us? To, how do how do we want to introduce ourselves besides our name? Well, I'll I'll, I'll start us out, and then you can kind of go off of that. How about that? Okay, How's that sound. So I'm Josh Russell. I am uh, 30 years old. I uh, live in Central Pennsylvania, and I grew up around Matt and Taylor. Um, I have a background. Taylor, stop breathing so fucking loud, dude. <laughs> I'm breathing loud. <laughs> oh my god, dude! It sounds like you're fucking. I don't know what you're doing. We're too far off of Halloween. We can't have this Halloween episode going with Michael Myers breathing into the microphone, dude. Breathe through your nose. I can't, dude. <laughs> All right. So, like I was saying, I have a background in social services. Uh, I got my undergraduate at Lock Haven. Got my graduate degree from uh, Marywood. So I have a master's in social work. And I guess they wanted me to bring some of that perspective to the table. And uh, also, with knowing you guys pretty much my entire life, I kind of have seen where where the steps that got you to the point that you're at. Um, and obviously, I'm here for you now, getting past your, your bullshit. So that's me in a nutshell, Sue. That's Josh. Hi, Josh. Go ahead, Taylor. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go, uh, we'll go oldest to youngest here. Okay. So I'm Taylor Falk. I'm 29 years old. Grew up in central Pennsylvania as well. Um, Josh is actually my best friend. Been my best friend since, I don't know, at least knee high. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. Um, coming up on, I guess I just had five years. Uh, so, you know, I work in the drug and alcohol field, so I'm just, you know, um, trying to pay it forward. You know, I'm a big believer in service work and trying to help other people that have struggled. And, um, you know, I've also known Matt quite a while. Uh, we've all partied hard together, but uh, me and Matt's partying – you know, we kind of had the same vision of what partying should look like opposed to me and Josh's idea of partying. Although, uh, we all have partied together just in different capacities. All right. Appreciate that, Taylor. Um, everybody, my name is Matt. I am 27 years old, also grew up in central Pennsylvania. And by the way, I don't like that we drew the battle lines already that you two are best friends. We're all friends here, okay? That's true. That's true. Yeah, we're all friends here. Like, let's not, we're not doing, like, we're best friends and this is our little brother, like, even though that's kind of the dynamic we got going here. Um, where, where was I? I grew up with these guys. Um, I'm a little bit younger. They're actually Josh's friends with my older brother, Chris. Um, shots out big dog. Um, so pretty much oof. I've been around Josh. I've been around, oof. I've been around Taylor. Uh, I was in the Navy for, uh, four years. Shouts out to the Navy. So, seaman. Seaman, uh, traveled around the world a little bit, came back to central PA for a couple years, was a prison guard. Shouts out prison. Uh, after that moved to San Diego, and up until last month, I was I lived in San Diego for about two years. Up until last month, that's where I was. I am an alcoholic. 
And I dabbled in the drug game as well. Uh, I did, you know, I'm not innocent <laughs> there, you know. So pretty much, uh, what we're getting, what the goal, as I understand it here, is we want to help people. Uh, we, I'm still, I'm only one month sober, so we want to kind of capture my journey and have them help me, and have we'll help each other, and uh, we'll get into why we make the decisions we make, how fucked up our brains are as far as that yeah this made sense at the time and this is what i decided to do and pretty much why we got to the levels that we did and uh how we are trying to make a way back to uh be good people we're all just trying to be better here i would agree i would agree heard that homeboy and i'm really really i'm really pleasantly surprised at how well you guys did with not interrupting each other cuz that's going to be the hardest part about doing this remotely for a little bit obviously we're going to try and get together um but just not interrupting during that was perfect and uh that's a perfect transition into i think the first episode uh matt you're absolutely right we want to help people but we also don't want to be a boring la-di-da podcast and, and all rainbows and lollipops, and I guarantee that's not what's going to fucking happen here. We're going to curse, so if you have your kids in the car, maybe don't listen to this. If you have your kids around, maybe put your headphones in, because it's going to get fucking real, I'm, I'm sure, and it's going to get real real quick. Uh, it's going to get even realer, even quicker if Falk doesn't learn how to breathe through his fucking nose. <laughs> can, you, can you guys still hear me breathing? Oh, uh, yeah, dude. My I hear you whipping God, I don't dude. know what you're doing with that. Um, Are you lassoing yourself, trying to auto-erotic asphyxiation <laughs> no, yourself with the, with the headset there? Maybe you need, like, a wireless headset. I don't know, man. Yeah, but you're breathing. Put some fucking AirPods <laughs> in, dude. I don't have AirPods, bro. <laughs> There, I'm good. I live five minutes from you. Come on over. I'll pop <laughs> some in your ears, dude. It can't. Don't, it can't be that bad. You won't even have to ring the doorbell. I'll be able to hear you breathe. <laughs> you fat fuck, Taylor. I just did get get done eating Taco Bell, so that could be the culprit. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, yeah, I nacho think the fries first... are back. How can't you go to Taco Bell? <laughs> Dude, honestly, I haven't eaten a Taco Bell in like, I, I'd say five years. I haven't eaten a Taco Bell since I started getting stomach ulcers. <laughs> Thanks, no, alcohol. That, that wasn't from the food. So at any rate, let's get into it. We'll just go right into the first episode. What I wanted to have since Matt, you're uh, you're starting out your journey here. I think what we should do the first couple episodes is kind of just talk about uh, each one of our perspectives. And what we'll do is since you're the new the newbie to the recovery game, um, you know, get your perspective initially and uh, we'll just kind of shoot the shit about that. Because that's what I want these to be. I want this to be organic and free flowing and we can just talk about whatever, whatever comes up. But I think initially we should start in on something um, as a perspective here. So we want to hear the newbie perspective. And uh, what kind of got you into the decision of becoming clean? Um, actually, I wrote a letter to myself on, my, on the plane when I was flying back from San Diego to uh, Pennsylvania. And it's, it's pretty fucking heavy. It doesn't really make – I think like this letter, you'll be able to just tell how scramble-brained I was and everything. You know what I mean? Because uh, first off, like when you do the things that I did to make me want to get clean, you kind of like sitting there just like, how the fuck did we get here? You know, like, I was sitting there and I was like, I thought that, 
the decisions I was making were like good. And then after a while, I was just trying to stay alive. You know, when you wake, I woke up every day with like insane depression and insane anxiety. And I was trying to keep a job and pay for an apartment. And I was in a relationship at the time and looking around and I'm like, man, well, how is every, and you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm looking around. I'm like, how is everybody else not losing their fucking mind right now? Because I'm like crawling out of my skin 24 seven. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. The only thing I was really doing was ripping shots, making cold calls, ripping bongs, just trying to get to the next day. And it wasn't good for anybody. So if Taylor stops breathing, I will start this letter. Dude, I don't know what to do. I think you're just your your mic sensitivity is high, dude. Are you moving around quite a bit? No, I'm sitting in a I'm sitting in a chair. Are you doing push? Are you on a fucking roller coaster, dude? I'm not on a roller coaster. (laughs) Like, we're going to have to, like, well, you're not allowed to do jumping jacks two hours before we record. We understand that you had to place your addiction to something else, Taylor, but you can't be exercising during the podcast. Well, show some self-control. I mean, I am on a CPAP machine, so. <laughs> Thank God, dude. Yeah, we might not be able to do a second episode if you didn't have that fucking thing. Or if he has to walk upstairs. (laughs) He actually weighs less than me right now, so he's doing well for himself. I'm in good shape. Yeah. Dude, he looks good. Like, whenever he comes to pick me up uh, in the morning, I'm like, wow, man, my guy is blossoming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you have a letter. uh, It's not really a letter. It's just like a little essay I wrote. And I read it all the time to myself, like even when I'm thinking, like, try to remind my try. This is like my reminder to myself of why I'm, you know, going through with recovery and not and not not cracking any cold ones. And who gave you this idea? Actually, it was uh, one of my friends uh, from the Navy. He was just like, dudes, just start writing stuff down. And I typically don't listen to his advice because he's an idiot. But I was like, let me get this out there because when I was on the plane, I was like, I want this to be fresh, you know, like, because anybody that deals with that is an alcoholic or, you know, deals with a drug game, you can get. And I think what what a lot of my problem has been is I've been able to convince myself of pretty much anything. Yeah. You know, so I wanted it to be like, I wanted a reminder of like, this is how bad it got, dude. Right, right. All right. Well, hey, man, you, you got the floor. Unless Taylor, right. unless Taylor, Taylor, can you hold your breath for like, how long is this going to take? Now, Taylor, hold I, his breath for like I a minute. I my headphones. Is it better for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's a lot better. I, now I can actually hear myself. Um, but yeah, um, this is from <laughs> July, or January 20th of this year. I was sitting on the plane flying back to Pennsylvania on a ticket that my mom bought me because your boy wasn't ex- is not exactly flush with cash. Um, so here we go. So I put, today I'm flying back to Pennsylvania. As I sit here in my chair thinking about how I got here, I can't believe the things I've done. I can't believe the people I've hurt. I can't believe I'm going back to my parents' fucking basement. I have turned into a pathological liar, a cheater, overall a fucking loser. The train went completely off the tracks, and the crazy part is, I knew it was going to happen at some point. 
I've never given myself a shot in my adult life. For the past 10 years, whenever I've been faced with a problem, I drink. Need to forget something? Drink. Went out in public? Drink. Couldn't sleep? Smoke weed. Couldn't eat? Smoke weed. Couldn't focus? Adderall. Need to put on a show on the dance floor? You can use your imagination. The destructive path I've been on began and continued through a lifetime of putting a band-aid on my problems, ignoring them and letting other people fix them for me. I can't even recognize myself anymore. I'm so insecure, paranoid, and jealous, and I've actually driven myself crazy. I'm so depressed that I've looked for problems that weren't there. I manipulated and took advantage of people. It took until I was out of lies, run by guilt, and multiple loved ones look, looking, looking at me with shame in their eyes, asking, what the fuck is wrong with you? I've been living in my own prison. No matter how many times I've changed my address, job, relationship, my demons keep following me. I've always saw others' approvals. I've always thought saw others' approval. Always wanted to be liked, and always hoped people would just love me for me. This is gonna get. This gets heavy. Um. All right. How can I expect when I? How can I expect that when I don't love me? What is wrong with me? Why am I constantly hurting the people that are closest to me? Why am I always seeking validation from others? The answer is I've never had it under control. I've always tried to get to the end of the day. Through every poor decision, I've lost myself a little more. Everything I complain about and other people, I became. Everything I said I would never do, I did. I really believe that my biggest strength is how relatable and likable I can be. But I've used it in so many horrible, disgusting ways. I've used my gift to control people. I used my gift to get away with whatever the fuck I wanted. I use my gift to manipulate situations to make me look like the good guy. Right now, dude, you're a scumbag. You're a liar. You're an alcoholic, addict, and a psychopath. If I don't commit to changing my life and finding inner happiness without the use of drugs and alcohol, then I should put a bullet in my fucking head, you fucking coward. I actually convinced myself that I was one of the good guys. I know it's in me somewhere, but it's buried. I realize that I've said I'm sorry a million times, but have never actually changed anything. I guess what I meant was, please don't be mad at me. The days of hiding from my problems stop now. The days of giving up on myself stop now. The days of me destroying relationships just so I could feel something stop now. If not, then you destroyed everything this time for no reason. A year from now, I'm either going to pinpoint this as when I got my life back or just another painful memory. You want to be a good guy? Prove it. You want people to love you? Do what's best for them, you selfish fuck. Anytime there's an obstacle, you run, you little bitch boy. It stops now. Enough is enough. End of an era. I always tell people to appreciate every day and take care of themselves. Follow your own advice, fuck boy. What's crazy is most of the, t- most of the last 10 years, I don't even remember. I've been all around the world and went to the first bar I found in every city. I don't think I've been sober by my own account for longer than a few days in the past 10 years took me 10 years and multiple trips to rock bottom in rock bottom town to be faced with sobriety jail or death dude you're not happy you can't run anymore you don't have another 10 years to waste let people heal the only thing you can do right now is take your life back you have the resources and support you're out of excuses you're out of justifications you can never have another drink again you want to feel like this and take the cowards way out. Last page.
get some hobbies, get healthy, be a better uncle, friend, son, brother, person. I know it's in there. I know that I have so much to give to this world, but I keep, but I keep taking the choice is yours, dude. Things are going to get difficult. You're going to wake up with guilt, regret, and anxiety. If you go back, if you go to the quick sit, or if you go to the quick fix, you have no shot. If you start blaming others, you have no shot. If you turn to alcohol or drugs, you're going to die and destroy the people you love. Let yourself find the positive. Let yourself love. Let yourself look in the mirror. Get your smile back. Not the fake one you think people want to see, but your real one that lights up a room. If you get overwhelmed, breathe. If you feel like you're going to break, get help from the people that want to see you recover. This is going to be a battle for the rest of your life. Stop making promises you can't keep. Stop running. There's no place left to run. However bad it is you're feeling, it will get worse if you go back. You're on your ninth life, kid. You've done nothing but take. It's time to give. It's time to give to yourself, your family, and your friends. One day at a time, you're going to beat this killer. You have to. Wow, man. That's powerful. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, it's a lot, but it, I'm trying to I'm trying to unpack it in my head at the moment. It's just it, first of all, it's it's got. I mean, you had no meeting, no nothing, no discussion with anybody really besides just your friends, right? Before you wrote that. Yeah, no, I just I just spoken with uh, you know you Taylor, um, your dad, like a couple other people, just. You know, just n- nothing, nothing professional per se, but just, uh, you know, I had a couple of days with a couple of kids from Muncie that lived out in San Diego. That, but yeah, that was it. Yeah, man, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's, you know, raw and uh, a lot of emotion there, obviously. There was a point in the, in the letter where I wanted to run through a brick wall for you, for sure. I was pretty hyped. <laughs> and then, you know, then you remember kind of what it all entails within it um yeah well taylor had to go um take a call he is working like he said um but so i mean when you first initially called me um you facetimed me and i and you know i saw you and i was like oh fuck i saw you for like a split second but your phone had died i saw you for Mm -hmm. like not even a whole second and i you know i was like oh this isn't good um you know i didn't know what to think i was like worried and then tried to call you back but you know we had our own conversation we had our heart to heart discussion um and i I think that you encompass everything in that letter that is kind of the the beginning of you know the end of your habit that you have i think it's it's written it's well written it's it's um it's a it's a fucking destructive path um put down on paper and uh but also you have the powerful perspective of you know this is the, I'm not going to let this own me um you know this isn't this isn't going to define me and it's it might have the last 10 years but it's not going to anymore and I need to take a take a stand and and do something about it so I mean, hats off to you for that letter. It was beautiful, man. Beautiful. I can't believe you wrote it on the way home. And, you know, I, I think that you have a very mature perspective on your current situation, for sure. Um, with that being your first letter before you even go to any type of treatment or anything like that. 
So, um, it looks like Taylor's back in the mix here. Yeah, my bad. No, you're all good, dude. It's a, you got you got work. You're out there helping people. I mean, it's perfect for for the podcast. You're out there helping people get you know the help they yeah. need to recover. Yeah, it's a, you... it's a difficult case. Guy out of state trying to get rehab. You know, out of state insurance. So it's been going on since yesterday. So yeah, wow. yeah. Fuck insurance yeah, for real. Um. So. You, you, did you hear some of the letter? Have you heard Matt's letter? No, previously? I have not. I heard the I heard the big chunk of it, and I, yeah, it was really really nicely put together, Matt. For real, um, yeah. And Thanks, what's man. your perspective on Taylor? I want to get your perspective on being that you have five years clean. To, what I was saying to him before you hop back in was just to keep you in the loop. Uh, I said that it's it's something that it's like. Fuck, man, for someone who hasn't had any, any, you know, recovery time, really, I mean, he put it into, I mean, he pretty put, pretty much put the nuts to it, didn't he? I mean, am no, I wrong in did. thinking that? Um, the biggest takeaway I got out of it, and I mean, you could, you could tell by the way he illustrated it was that he had a hole in his soul, that hole in your soul feeling. And the funny part about it is, especially for people like us, um, you could have been at a party with a hundred people. You could have been to a bar with a hundred people. And if anybody walked in, you know, known from past experience, if you walk into a party, Matt would, Matt would seem like he would be having the most fun out of anybody there. He would seem like he was the guy on top of the world. Same with me. If you saw me at a party, I was always laughing, talking to everybody, the center of the party. But it's always those guys that when the party ends and you're all by yourself, you are the person that hates yourself the most. And, it, and it's always a case like that. And, you know, I just uh, I felt the pain, the pain of no matter how much you tried to get other people to like you or put yourself into positions that would make you feel good no matter the amount of drugs you had in your system no no matter how much booze you could choke down just nothing ever could fill that hole in your soul and um a funny story of mine you know uh i remember my mom i i kind of i feel like it's good to put something tangible down on paper early on um my mom was pretty morbid she made me write my own obituary letter um when i was in jail and i remember she came to a visit it was like a second visit too and like i'm just happy to see mom dukes and she's like write your write your own obituary because you'll probably die here soon (laughs) i'm like fuck that's a heavy that's yeah so I, i i ended up writing part of the obit so I, I, I get through halfway of this obituary and I'm like, and I think it was almost like that, maybe not aha moment or I don't know, that enlightening moment where like, I just stopped, I ripped it up, I threw it in the trash and I knew that, you know, I was done. I was done. You know, I, I didn't want to die. I don't want to spend the life, my rest of my life in jail. Um, so I, I stopped halfway through it in the fucking trash, ripped it up. And I told myself when I, when I got out that, you know, 
it was done. I, I was done with alcohol. Well, I was hoping I would be done with alcohol and booze, but, you know, resume said different at that time. But, uh, but right. yeah, I, I thought Matt Slatter, I mean, you know, I, he illustrated everything, like I said, beautifully. And, you know, I, I felt the pain because I've been there. I've been there. I know what it feels right, like right. to be helpless, hopeless, full of, you know, shame, guilt, despair, misery. I mean, the whole nine yards. All of it put together, all encompassing. I mean, I haven't been to that point before in my in my drinking or anything like that. But I could tell you right now, I could still feel the pain too. I mean, it's I, it was very powerful. You know, it sent chills down my spine in certain spots, um, and it was very eloquently put. I am very proud of Matt for being able to do that. I didn't think he sure. could compose anything um, that good. Yeah, I thought he was half <laughs> yeah, a, half an idiot. Especially but, probably yeah. having shakes the whole time too. Oh, dude, you should see the hand when I got <laughs> when I got jammed up on the on my way through. I'm like, what? The, my handwriting through this is not great. Like, <laughs> I even write all bubble letters because the because na- the navy uh, uh, torture chambered me too until I until I forgot lowercase letters. And dude, there are some my S's on this got some squigglies in there. Checked out. That's checked out. <laughs> dude, I mean, yeah, so I guess I guess one thing would be to put, you know, my thought process on uh, Matt at this point is that, you know, I, I got to see the kind of demise of Taylor. Um, you did too. Um, well, I was I was kind but, of there. I was more around for Taylor's build, like yeah. yeah I mean, right, I saw right. the I saw about the time that I went in the Navy is when Taylor started to uh, go off the rails a little bit. Like so, so what I was going to say was, you know, I kind of had that experience with Taylor um, as a friend, and uh, you know, you're my you're my friend too. You know, obviously we're we, all friends we, we here. Came up. We, we came up, we came up partying together, you know, we always had a good time, you know? So, I mean, but here's the thing is that I remember, um, it was probably, I would say it was it when you moved to California, how long ago was that? Oh, uh, that was August of 2018. It was the yeah. day after Nikki's so wedding. Almost two yeah. Years. yeah. Yeah. Almost two years. I think about a year and a half ago, I think it was probably, you were only there about six months. I said to Chris, your older brother, I said, Matt is fucked up right now. Something along those lines. I'm like, I think Matt's depressed. And, uh, you know, he said, no, I don't know. Maybe just, he's, you know, he didn't really, I don't know if he was in denial or whatnot. Just being real. I mean, he probably listened to this podcast, but I think maybe he was in a little bit of denial. But I said, you know, I think he's kind of fucked up right now. Oh, no, nah, man, he's fine. He's fine. I said, okay. And, um, you know, then I start getting these Snapchats of you every morning and it's 10 o'clock my time <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and i'm calculating my head i'm like well that's three hours difference so it's seven o'clock his time and it started out with i think beer i think you were shotgunning beer and you would always give like a pep talk in the morning and you're always full bore 100 i don't know how you were like that at seven in the morning but you were and you were just like Let's uh, wake up, people, get in the morning, get paid. And, of course, at the end, you'd be hovering over top. I mean, you got you got pretty calculated with it towards the end of it where you were shotgunning just standing in your living room. But then you got smart enough that, hey, I spilled too much shit here. I got to go over and put do it over the sink. Um, you know, and then you 
I mean, fast forward a little bit, you came home and, and I remember you telling me this, this stuck with me, man. You're like, yeah, I got, I got stomach ulcers. I said, well, you've been shotgunning fucking alcohol every morning. Yeah, my doctor told me I gotta, I gotta kind of slow it down a little bit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean slow it down? And then I saw that you were, you're, you're shocking on white claws. I'm like, why the switch up to white claws? You're like, it's easier on my stomach. I got stomach ulcers. I'm like, what the fuck kind of, I, what, Dude, what kind of logic is sneaky. that? Sneaky, you know, man? that's the type of logic that gets results right there. That's that. Does. <laughs> like, look, I was, I was out there and I was going to get the day before the day got me. Yeah. Right, and, right. That was that was one of my catchphrases, dude. <laughs> yes, yes. But I think was. what I meant by <laughs> that is, dude. When I won't like talk about having a hole in yourself, do I? I mean, I still, it's still there, boys. It's not. I'm not healed at all, really. Yeah, you're still right. I mean, fucked at this point. I'm still fucked at this point, but um, <laughs> just a little know, less. Yeah, just I mean, just sober. <laughs> like it's just like, all right, now I'm feeling everything sick, um, but. You know, when I wake up in the morning, every bad decision that I've made, everything I've been through, it's it hits me right off the bat. You know, I wake up nauseous. I wake up anxious. I like I don't wake I don't ease into the day even now. But especially then, you know, when I woke up, it was hit the bong. You know, let me get my let me get my wits about me. I'm about to go try to sell some stuff so I don't get fired. And like my girlfriend at the time doesn't think I'm a fucking loser. And I don't think I'm a loser. And, you know, it's like the only way that I can get that confidence to get that edge, what I need to do is I was like, we're going to have to, if I hype myself up and share it with other people, maybe they'll get hyped up. We're going to make the world a better place here. And that's in my head. That's what I thought I was doing. And I think it helped. I think it did help some people, but it, I ended up paying the price for it. Did you feel like it was giving you a justification for, um, you know, waking up and doing that? that you were like telling people you were doing it and maybe people were reacting. Was it, did it make you feel better that you were like blasting beer and, and getting high in the morning? Did, yeah. You think dude, that was I it? mean, I yeah. never wanted to be the guy that was just drinking by himself for no reason. Right. You know, I, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, like I might as well have some fun with it. Right. Right. Yeah. And of course be Matty. Yes, yeah, dude. You like, know, you didn't. You didn't talk about Matty Ice at all. Dude, well, that's because we killed so... that motherfucker. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> dead. The, the if hindsight was twenty twenty, right? Like looking back on everything and what I know, what I know now, um, Matt, you you were doomed from the beginning. Um, nobody yeah. nobody drinks like us and doesn't have a problem. Uh you know, you drank exactly the same way I drank, probably actually heavier. Um, and that's been really since day one. Um, and like you yeah. said, you know, we we can justify every actions rather. I was just boys being boys. I were young. This is what you do in high school. This is what you do in college. Well, the only difference is if you really looked around and there was actually some, you know, quality perspective there. Our friends weren't drinking and getting high like us. And if they were, those were the people we strategically placed in our lives so we could basically condone our behavior because look what everyone else is doing. They drank and used just like me. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, from day one, I mean, yeah, you you were probably doomed from day one. Well, I have a funny story with think- that, guys. So I was thinking today, I was thinking actually, like, when do, like, when did the first time somebody tell me, like, you should watch your drinking. And I can actually remember it. My mom told me 
was, it was the summer after I graduated high school and I was on a run. This is when me and Falk and even Joshua popped around. Like we were hitting cabin parties, pond parties, pretty much every single night something was going off. And my mom told me like, Hey, you know, alcoholism runs in our family. Like, I think you, you're an alcoholic. And I thought like, who's an alcoholic at 18? You know what I mean? Like, we're not shutting this movie off yet. It's just starting to get good. Like that was like my actual thought. Like I like, and from then on, it was in the back of my head. Like, Matt, you're probably an alcoholic. But I was like, there's no reason to stop yet. And then once there became reasons to stop, I couldn't stop myself. Right, right. Do you think, I mean, well, it seems like both of you guys, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously. But, like, I hear what you're saying, Taylor, with the, the what I like to call is the YAYA, the acronym. You are who you associate with. And that is seems to be true most of the time but it almost seems like people don't realize they have a problem (laughs) until they're in their loneliest stages of addiction like you start out with justification justification oh we're all doing it we're all doing it and then you find yourself like taylor you found yourself we'll talk about that i'm sure in another episode but you found yourself in a fucking trailer in the woods with no running water and you're shitting in buckets and eating beans out of a can and matt you're sitting at your apartment all alone making fucking calls to sell shit getting high and drunk like the loneliest part of your your you know your addiction so you know where does it where does it start to go away from well fuck it i don't need people to uh i guess maybe the the drug or the alcohol becomes the the people you need is that fair to say i think it just for me i, I can't speak for taylor but i think for me it just came such a part of what I was doing and like whenever I had free time you know so when I got locked in when COVID hit and I was like oh we're working from home now so like I I realized pretty much the only thing that kept me sober was having to go somewhere you know so when I didn't have to go anywhere and it was just like all right like I'm just gonna do a little rally claw in the morning and then like do one in the afternoon and then if i can't focus i'm a popping adderall then if i like need to calm down a little bit i'm gonna smoke some weed and it just got to a point where i thought at the beginning i'm like i'm just gonna do this little sprint run because we're only gonna be locked in for a little bit and then after that it was just it just became such a part of my routine that i wasn't even really thinking like I knew, like, I, I don't want to say I didn't, I wasn't thinking what I was doing was wrong. I thought I was just doing what I had to do to survive at the time. And the fact, gotcha. yeah, and the fact that it had, I needed, like, I needed to take it to that level just to do regular, ordinary things. It became a, it, it, I mean, here we are, boys. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were, you were on the run from yourself at, at you know, at a certain stage, especially, I think it's fair. But to say. just that you, you never really handled your, your depression or your anxiety or anything like that the right way, the healthy way. No. It was always just trying to numb it. Yeah, no, no, I, was, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure where like, I, I think I'm not exactly sure where that like complete isolation falls as far as like if there's a definite timeline and active addiction but like for me it was kind of just like it was more of like a a collateral damage just 
situation for me because I was at a point where nobody wanted anything to do with me. So, you know, I I really didn't have that choice. I mean, to a certain extent, I did if I wanted to isolate or not. But I think it was almost, I mean, I think some shame and guilt and fear played into it too. But it was almost like that, you know, and we actually talked about um, a couple of Saturdays ago, the meeting me and Matt were at, you know, we talked about self-pity. And I think, you know, I was in that, you know, that headspace and loathing of, well, nobody wants to have anything to do with me. So I don't want to have to, you know, have anything to do with anybody else. So that's where, you know, I think my isolation, but I mean, I'm not exactly sure why or when it happened, you know, why it happened for me. The why was, though, you know, point blank, nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was a piece of shit. Why, why do you want to do right, anything right. piece of shit and you know and you know it's so funny because like you know looking on Matt's situation and stuff like that I mean granted he still like things could have got a lot worse for him you know he, he still oh for sure you know, could have went farther down to rock bottom you know he still had you know the he still at least had a roof over his head and had some relationships whether they were, you know, um, relationships of quality or not. But, you know, I, I hate to use that as like a defining trait for how bad addiction is. Because even sure. though Matt had an apartment and a job and some relationships and got sober and I really had nothing, we still felt the same feeling. So his rock bottom was just as equal as mine. It was just different on a materialistic aspect and that's it. But the pain, the pain was absolutely the same for the both of us. So that's one of the things that I, my, not really a pet peeve of people who talk about recovery and stuff. I think they define rock bottoms by losing materialistic things. But if you talk to anybody in recovery, we all share the same pain. No matter if we came in with a six-figure job and so had a wife, you know, we still hated looking ourselves in the mirror. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that actually answered anything, but at least for me, you know, isolation came just because I was a a piece of shit junkie. For real, (laughs) for real, for real. So, <laughs> our guy was the real deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would say so. Well, the thing is, what, and that's Taylor. You, you fucking hit the nail on the head with that. Because what I was thinking, exactly what I was thinking when I was about to uh, speak again was, I was going to say, well, isn't it true that uh, rock bottom it could be completely different from the individuals? So, like, if if someone, you know, gets they brown out shout out to always sunny in philadelphia if they brown out like they remember most of the night and maybe they had one too many you know that might scare a person to say i'm done drinking i'm I'm done with this um and maybe they think they have a problem or you know maybe you you throw up and, and that's a problem to you you know to where oh i hit a family in a minivan drunk driving killed you know four people one of them was a two-year-old kid i I can't handle i'm going to jail i get out of jail i'm gonna go drink as soon as i get out of jail i'm gonna drink and drug again you know that 
that horrible story of killing a family or, or ruining someone's life could not be the end for somebody versus somebody waking up, throwing up, saying, I'm done with this shit. And I think that's that's the thing that you're saying is everyone's rock bottom is completely different. And if I had to write, you know, if you gave a, a script to a horror, you know, movie writer or director and you could somehow capture what addiction is you know in its in its truest form it's one of the scariest things that we deal with as a society in my opinion um it's it's the perfect script it's it's invisible you know it's it's something that takes a hold of everyone it's insidious it you know it can ruin anybody's life um I know that you've talked about it, Taylor, and I'm sure Matt's met some people. You know, you you run an addiction community. You might run into somebody who has World Series rings. You might run into people who had six-figure jobs. You might run into people who, you know, have been homeless their whole life. You know, it just it really it really just depends on the situation. But that shit does not discriminate. That shit doesn't care what color or creed you are. It'll grab you and it'll fucking tear you apart. So, I mean, it's, I think it's something that you, you had brought up beautifully for sure that yeah, everyone's rock bottom is completely the different. funny. And the funny thing about rock bottoms are, and this is a sick twisted fucking part of rock bottoms is they <laughs> always have the capability to get lower and deeper. And like, cause yeah. I mean, looking back, I mean, my rock bottom was pretty bad. I mean, you give the scenario I was in to the average person and that would probably seem like the end of days, but guess what? It could have got a lot worse for me in some way. And somehow I'm sure it would have got worse if I still decided to can to continue to get high and drink. So, you know, it's basically, you know, the revolving door of addiction and where it takes you because Matt would have probably not, I don't like to speculate ever, but Matt probably would have ended up where I was at and I would have got worse off. Oh, boys, I had a whole separate plan. Yeah. You want to hear what I had in mind? It wasn't super well thought out, but when uh, – <laughs> so I didn't have an apartment anymore or a relationship because I did I did some stuff to where I, both of those things were no longer an option for me. So I'm sitting there. I packed a bag, and I was like, "I'm like, there's nobody in town here in San Diego right now, so I'm either going to go to my boss's house which was uh, shouts out to my guy, Paul. He's a big reason why I'm sober um, now. Or I was like, or, or maybe we go down to Mexico. I got a, like maybe a couple hundred dollars in the bank still. I'm getting paid on Friday. So that in Mexico, that'll last me a month or two. So I was like, why don't I just free fall through Mexico a little bit? I'll probably end up meeting El Chapo and I'm charming enough where I'll, I'll be this boys like i'll be running his organization with them and like if i'm like if i can just turn my spirit around a little bit i'm like i could probably just ride that out for the rest of my life until the feds come and that was an actual thought that i had and i was like that sounds like a lot more fun than getting sober the craziest thing about that matt is between you and taylor both of you i could see either of you doing that and be and and just you especially at the end of both of your um you know spin outs here i'll call them i could definitely see you guys justifying going down there and trying to to accomplish something like that especially if you were on the end of a coke bender like matt wanted to be boys with him and run the mexican cartel marketing uh 
sector. <laughs> that yeah, might have been yeah, a little yeah, bit. That, of was, a, the, that was the I, coke. I, if I'm if I'm going to be in a cartel, I want to do some <laughs> dirt, dude. So I don't want I don't want to be part of the marketing firm, <laughs> dude. Dude, I was willing to like, I was willing to work my way up. You know, I've started at the bottom before. You know, like if I had to go to boot camp for it and stuff and start just sawing off some innocent people at the time, I was like, you know what? Like, ain't no rest for the wicked. Let's fucking go. Honestly, and all jokes aside, yeah, well, it's obviously it was a joke and it was, I mean, it was a halfway thought. Um, but I mean, like I said, all jokes aside, but that's that's the way addiction will take you. I mean, stuff that I thought I would never do yep. in my life, trust me, I've done tenfold. I've done it multiple times. So, I mean, who's really to say? We might be sitting here joking about that, but, you know, when enough pain meets opportunity, um, who's to say that that would have never happened? You know, I mean, the chances of right. American actually yeah. being, you know, part of an organization like that's very slim. But I mean, the kind of that's not the point. The point is that anything while an active addiction that we've maybe chalked up to never doing or probably be out of the realm of thinking, it's definitely a possibility. Anything is a possibility. Trust me. If you're getting high and getting drunk and you're strung out, yeah. anything is well within reason. Yeah, I think that um, it's it's something that uh, it has to be said that for sure it's it's a joking matter, but somewhat. Yeah, but I'm is saying. it joking? Yeah. Who knows? You know, you never know where you're gonna get. You know, so I think that I mean, Matt, you're obviously um, over a month sober, correct? Yeah, was, that was when I wrote that letter. I was like probably two days sober. So I think the 18th is my day. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you're, you're in the infancy stage of it. So, I mean, you still could easily go back oh, to drinking, easy. right, Taylor? Yeah. I mean, that's number, yeah, number, that's a, that's a fact. Matter, put it this right? way, I, mean, but I believe in that. I will say that's from the rip. And I've told countless people that I've never seen anybody jump feet first into recovery like Matt has, myself including. I can put my hand on the Bible and tell you, Matt, that Taylor did say the exact same thing to me um, in much more words. He said that you are doing absolutely everything you need to do, and he's never seen somebody get he got the big what was it, a sponsor? sponsor and went to a meeting within and, all like maybe 24 hours of being home or some crazy yeah. shit like that. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's connected yeah. with the heavy hitters. So, I mean. <laughs> But, you know, that's 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 a beautiful thing. I mean, you wrote the I mean, you I mean, Matt, obviously you hit you. You believe you hit your rock rock bottom at this point. At any point, you could go back into active use and and you could figure out the real rock bottom. But right now you've hit your rock bottom per se. And, you know, you've attacked it the way you need to attack it. So I think what I really want to hear, you know, between you and Matt, um, Taylor to kind of maybe conclude. I don't know how long we're going to make these episodes. I mean, but, uh, we've only got so much juice so far, yeah. so I mean, we should break <laughs> it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't want to peak too early. Well, I think, I think, you know, maybe, maybe I love the transition that we'll have for Taylor. I, I think next episode is going to be, you know, more so Taylor's story. I like to have the newbie Matt telling his story here a little bit and we'll get into the details. I don't think, you know, we've gotten anywhere near touching the details of uh, 
you know, what got you guys here, both of you. But uh, I think Taylor's, you know, story will be next. But I think maybe to end this, not not saying we have to end it right now. I like that we keep this shit going. I can keep it going however long you guys need to. But I think maybe a good transition right now would be, you know, if you guys had someone who was – all right, we'll, we'll say it. We'll say uh, – we'll give a perfect example. If I came to you guys and I said, guys, I think I have a problem. Like someone might be hearing this right now, uh, you know, that they think, oh, man, maybe maybe I do have an issue, you know. Um, but if, if it was – I guess we'll say it's a stranger because me coming to you guys would be a little bit different. If someone reached out and said, you know, what is the first step? What do I need to do? You know, what – I might have a problem. I guess it, there's just so much out there and so much to think about, you know, your head spinning. What, what do you say to get someone to start this, start the shindig of getting sober? Uh, I will. There's a lot of variables to that, but I'll, I'll keep it pretty, pretty broad. Um, if, if I'm getting, you know, if someone comes to me with this situation, um, say you're going to a loved one and you're not in recovery yourself. Um, I think we're, you know, it's the 21st century. I'm sure literally anybody in this world can think of at least one person who has put some good recovery, sobriety time, whatever you want to call it together. Um, I would strongly urge that person to reach out to somebody else um, who has dealt with the same issues as them. Uh, because I think it's really important to hear the perspective and the resources and just the overall knowledge of that person who is in recovery. Um, and with that, you know, they can guide them into, you know, I suggest you doing this. I suggest you doing that. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm going to advocate for 12 steps, 12 step programs. Uh, in my opinion, well, personal experience it is the only thing that's ever worked for me so i would strongly urge um that would be the first outlet i would choose um anybody can look up all sorts of meetings naaa gamblers anonymous sex anonymous um online and you can find your areas meetings that are open so obviously i'm going to be a little more biased to that but i think with the you know, the onslaught of technology. I mean, it's really easy to find resources located in your community that um, is available to you. But, you know, back to basically, you know, the bread and butter of this whole thing is getting connected with other people in recovery. Um, and because that's firmly what I believe is the reason why 12-step fellowships work so good and why we see people who put 40, 50 years of sobriety together is because right from the get-go, they got around other hopeless alcoholics and addicts and figured out, you know, if this worked for this guy, then you know what, it might as hell, you know, might work for me. So I, that's, that would be my number one thing is to get around other people in recovery. Right. Okay. Yeah. I would just to, piggyback off taylor with that i would say that you know the when i was really spit like when i was at my friend abbott's house and he's uh 
he used to drink and he's probably an alcoholic, but he hasn't drank in a, like he doesn't drink anymore, but he's not part of any programs. But he was telling me like all this stuff and I'm like, all right, dude, I'll do it. But I think what calm what ended up calming me down to the point where it's like I almost had an ease over me is when I talked to Taylor and then I talked to Jim, uh, Josh's dad. And they're pretty much like uh, telling him what I, everything that I did, and like they're both like, "Yeah, that's what we do." And they're they're both they were both just so calm about it, and it was because they've been there. So I th- I think that there's a lot of power in being around people that like you don't have to sugarcoat what you did with or anything like that because they'll they can top you most of the time. You know, like even it doesn't have to be like when Taylor was talking about earlier, like I had, a, I had a friend from the Navy, I was talking to him about, you know, going to meetings and stuff. And he was like, man, they probably think that you're a bitch, you know? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, kind of, and I kind of got pissed for a second, but then I was like, actually, when I was walking in there, I was like, they probably do think I'm a bitch, you know, like I'm just <laughs> sitting there like, but, but at the same time, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is that you reach out to somebody who can get you connected with, uh, whatever programs or you know if you need to go into uh, actually check yourself into somewhere or whatever the only thing that matters is that you take that first step and accepting that like all right i'm gonna do this and then make the promise to yourself to do it and then just enjoy the ride (laughs) right right yeah i mean it it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier was when you get into it when you get into your active use and your active addiction you you seem to surround yourself with people that are doing the same shit you're doing or they're making you look better because they're doing worse off than you, you know, um, or in your eyes, you're justifying it. But then when you get into active recovery, it sounds like you do the same thing. It's just the opposite. You know, you're trying to find people that are, you know, good for you and positive and, and people that are going to have your back and, you know, answer your phone calls, answer your questions, all that stuff. Um, you know, so that's that's it. I think that you know, what you guys are doing right now with yourselves is one of the hardest things. And, and honestly, I don't even want to use the term cause it's corny, but I, I think it's super, it is brave, you know, to attack your emotions. A lot of people don't do that. You know, I think especially with men like us, we don't want to fucking tell people we're hurting or we're depressed or, you know, all that shit. And I think that's what, you know, you guys are doing when you go in there and share and you, sometimes you're sharing with a group of people you don't even fucking know. So yeah, Josh. That's you, off to you, you guys for sure. To doing something that. I was I was yeah. gonna speak up about about um, being able to express our emotions and talk about ourselves because, like, I feel like we are such like fear driven people, non alcoholics and addicts, you know, included in this. Like, I think society as a whole, and there, and you know, there is such a thing as healthy fear, but like if, allowing fear to dictate situations or things that we're going to do especially to better ourselves is just you know complete nonsense and you know even you know i know how matt felt you know opening up to me and telling me you know about what he did because i felt the same way and i literally thought you know when i started first sharing at meetings and talking to my sponsor and you know talking to you know my people my support group that they were going to think i was just some kind of monster and you know because when matt was telling me his dirt i was like okay it's not even that bad. Like, you know, I mean, like, that's not even that bad, dude. Like, I thought way worse than that. So, like, it just gets back to that fear is like alcoholism and drug addiction will, it's cunning. Like, it will, it will, you know, make a, it will make us feel like we're the worst people in this world when, 
you know, all we have to do is open our mouths and there's, and there's people that's done way worse stuff than me. And those are the guys I talk to. So, you know, it, it, it gets, it really evolves right back right. around to, you know, being around, um, like-minded individuals when it comes to recovery. Right. Right. And I think that's why, you know, Matt, you've been the proponent and the propeller on this, uh, airplane for this podcast and i think this is something that if you get it more out in the open i think there's a lot of it's almost like some people think that there's like a secret society to recovery and you know i think that's where that's where the the money goes to is you know a lot of rehabs and stuff like that that's out in the open but i think the the true part of where recovery comes it's the community um from from what i've seen i have zero experience in this area so chime (laughs) up and tell the alien to shut the fuck up but, you know, I, I, I think that I, I, from my perspective on it, I think that we don't it's, it's kind of like it's almost like the Freemasons almost is like recovery. Like, oh, they go down in the basement of the church and and they go drink their coffee and then they come up an hour later and it's just a bunch of people smoking cigarettes. You know, there's not you know, there's there's a there's a point where it's like there is a community and it's there's a lot of powerful people that meet together and people from different backgrounds and and, it you know, it, there's a community there that's so supportive that I feel like a lot of people don't know that they can tap into, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, and I know that just, just me sitting here right now, I'm like, well, what if I'm thinking, what if I had to go and fucking find this, you know, places to go, um, you know, and I'm looking at, I just Google, I'm like AA meetings near me. You know what I mean? Uh, There's findrecovery.com right here. And it has me sitting where I live right now and I can click on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I can find places that are 30 miles within 30 miles of me right now. You know, if I had to go to a meeting, um, there's a number here, 866-641-9190. I mean, this stuff is, if you have a, if you have a smartphone, boom, you're, you're, you have access to, you know, there's not really an excuse to not go and, and find your community that can, that can help you. Um, yeah. And another thing with that, Josh, is if, uh, you know, you're somebody that is like, well, I can't get anywhere. Get to one meeting, get, get to one meeting, ask somebody to pick you yeah. up for the next one. Somebody will come get you. Yeah. Like, like and- if you go to one meeting, like just go to one, you don't even have to say anything. Just tell somebody I need help. And somebody's going yeah, and to say, help you. And say what Keep you want good. about this whole pandemic. I mean, the one thing that, that this pandemic has really helped us with is, I mean, the, the slew of online meetings. So really out of any time, cause there was no online meetings when I was first coming up, but now as a newcomer or somebody who wants to get introduced into recovery, the excuse of not being able to make a meeting is completely null and void at this point. There is no excuse. I mean, I, there is 24 hour meetings happening around the globe. As we speak, you can hook up into an AA meeting in Russia right now with a bunch of commies, but you know, drink. Yeah, drink. You know that you think <laughs> I, I, dude, you drink I might hard, do that. They're right drinking grain alcohol since yeah. six years old. So, but yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, literally in this <laughs> nuance of time, there's literally a meeting for people at our disposal, twenty four hours a day, three sixty five. And you know, say what you want, but I think that's a pretty cool thing, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. 100%. Well, I mean, we're, uh, we're hitting about the hour mark here now. Um, so I think, you know, 
wrapping this thing up, I don't know if anybody has any other um, thoughts or anything right now. Um, but I think for next episode, um, you know, we kind of talked about Matt. Matt shared his letter. It was fucking awesome. Powerful stuff. Um, I think it, you know, if someone were to maybe catch wind of this episode and hear it, that's going to help them, Matt. So thank you for sharing for sure. And, uh, thanks for letting me share. Yeah. Yeah. And Taylor, I think, uh, next episode we might go a little guns blazing and maybe share some of your story. Um, the chief king, the big dog. (laughs) Of course. Um, if you're cool with that. But uh, yeah. If you if if the <laughs> listeners didn't think I was a bitch beforehand, they will after this one. <laughs> should we put the should we uh put a, a parental advisory on the next episode? Um, oh my! <laughs> don't hold back on me, Fuck Daddy. Give it to me raw. No loot, bro. <laughs> no, I think uh, I. I no, dude, I, I don't, I, I don't deserve lube right now. Matt wants to feel all the pain. He wants to feel. <laughs> dude, I want to feel it all. No, I think I, I, I uh, enjoyed this up, this, you know, this discussion. I, I think it's, um, and I think as we do this, it's going to be less kind of mechanical. I think that probably right now we'll go back and we'll listen to this and we'll be like, why the fuck am I talking like that? That's not how I normally talk. But I think. Uh, and it's also hard because we're not in person, but I'd like these to be more like conversational, obviously. But I think we did a pretty good job. I think we kind of captured a good, good, important area. I don't know what you guys you think. Could go on the first but, one, you know? I think that. This... Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then Taylor, Taylor didn't fucking care about your letter at all, Matt. He just fucking popped off and said, "Fuck this guy's Dude, letter." He's Taylor, just just, his Taylor just showed up. <laughs> Dude, he just showed up, breathed real hard. <laughs> Took a took a business call. He said, "Fuck it, I don't want to listen to this worthless alcoholic." Yeah, Matt's, just Matt's fucking... pouring his heart out right now. I'm just still trying to recover from a fucking five layered. Uh, Yo, blast hits way different. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> <laughs> dude he disrespected me from the top like <laughs> me and Matt are friends but josh is my best friend i love i love how you, yeah, you just hear this in the microphone too like i don't even know what yeah. this is like i do i'm literally like fingering my mic right now to make it sound like taylor made it sound you want me to i'll give you a brief synopsis of taylor today like <laughs> I think he was breathing over top of his burrito. I think he was just staring at it, drooling, dude. dude I think he, I think he ate his burrito so quick it got clogged in his windpipes. Hey, that's my best friend. Don't make fun of him. You're just a friend. Yeah, you're just Matt, a friend. Hey, dude, listen, that's why I I'm just a friend. I, I gotta have a big bro and a little bro. It's all equal love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I'll take that. You do. You're the you're the middle child. Have fun with that. Hey, you know what though? It doesn't matter. You know where we cut it. You know who you called. You got people you called when you need us most, man. We're we're there for you. We're family. Yeah. So. Hey, the different the difference between a call to Taylor Falk in 2014 <laughs> and 2021, you're you're calling for yeah, that's you're calling super for two entirely different reasons. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, I think we have to end on that. That's a great point, Matt. 
Mic Dude, drop. That was a heater to end on. <laughs> Fucking walk off. Mamba out. So, uh, yeah, for sure, guys. I appreciate it. Dude, I had fun talking to you guys. We're definitely going to have to make this. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do what, what once a week maybe or every other week. Uh, you guys tell me what you want to do, but we'll try and figure it out. Even if I think we should pump them out, dude. Let's pump them out while we're if, hot, if, and it's boring. <laughs> if nobody fucking listens, who cares? But hopefully, maybe we'll. If we could help one person understand addiction, or you know, get get themselves in recovery, um, I think it's worth it. Yeah, where can you find this at to listen to? Uh, we up- so I'm gonna try and get it pretty much everywhere. As in, I'm definitely gonna get it up on Spotify. Um, and I'm definitely going to get it up on iTunes. I just have to figure out how to do that. So I'll have the recording, okay. but I gotta, we gotta make ourselves a logo and a whole bunch of shit before we can put this Dude, up. What, what, did we, we'll talk about our entrance song online, but I've got some ideas. Well, if we, if I, it may be easier just to keep it on Spotify. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, if we want to use music. Um, cause I think you can actually use music that's licensed. Um, if you just, if you only use Spotify through the anchor app. So I don't know. I got transition sounds and a whole bunch of shit I can mess with. So. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to figure that all out, but I'm not trying to fuck. I'm going to probably leave this one pretty raw. Um, yeah. It's the intro. Yeah. One. Yeah. So people don't like it. They can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if you don't like it, go back to drinking. You fucking drunks. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm I'm, we're, I'm ending it on that note i love you fuckers um i look forward to talking to you guys again soon on here we'll obviously talk off the podcast but uh i guess that's an addictive perspective the intro Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the most recent episode of our podcast. We really appreciate it, and um, we hope that we can help somebody through this podcast. Uh, So make sure you subscribe to it. That way you know when the next episode comes out, and feel free to reach out with any questions or concerns. We'll try and answer them on the podcast. Other than that, thank you guys. Thank you so much.